want to welcome everyone watching online. Glad you're with us. But uh, we also want to just tell you, uh, Monday night prayer, reminder, Monday night prayer, not Thursday night, but Monday night, 6.30, Don Bonner and Juan Moreno. And also a Bible study with Pastor Kemp and I uh, will be doing a Bible study Wednesday nights at 6.30. Hope you can join us. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And also the journey class will begin June 7th, which is our on-ramp to just getting involved here. Some of you have asked, what, how do we do that? What's that all about? And we just want to let you know a little bit of who we are and let us have a chance to get to know who you are and just kind of meet a couple of times. So first two Sundays of June, we'll be meeting at 4 o'clock right here, and I hope to see you then. Well, a couple months ago, I think I shared with you of a new kind of initiative that Big Fish Ministries and us were working together on. Somebody had donated a piece of property. Someone else had donated a metal building. And someone else had donated some um, woodworking uh, cabinet shop type of uh, uh, instruments and uh, machines. And so uh, we have endeavored to launch and start a ministry in which um, we can train and give um, some of our big fish gentlemen wonderful we love our big fish guys uh, where are my big fish guys anybody in the house come on whoo come on give it up for our big fish guys love you all you're awesome but some of them uh, would like to learn and trade, and we want to do that. And so we just want to give you a pic couple of pictures of some uh, furniture that they've already begun to make. So it'll be coming out and be able to pick those types of furniture up at the Big Fish store. There'll be more of that kind of stuff and even more coming. Um, Larry Morrison, who's kind of heading up that project, uh, uh, said, listen, you know, we're just getting started. It's going to be better and gooder and all that kind of stuff. I said, Man, that's better than I can make, that's for sure. I, I, I like that. That's good stuff. Also, I just want to let you know that um, our new building extension, uh, we'll be working on our new building some have asked, well, when are we going to uh, be in the new building? Well, that's a good question. I'd like to know that myself. I'm thinking maybe end of August, maybe the 1st of September. We don't know, uh, but we're just working hard. We have not stopped working on the new building since this whole um, pandemic thing hit the globe. Uh, didn't slow us down. Um, here's what uh, we're working on this past week. This is actually the blowing out the north side of the building, and uh, that red clay area We'll be pouring another foundation, extending the building another 25 feet. And that basically area will be where the, uh, the, the platform will be, the band will be, and different things like that. And the rest of that half of that building inside, um, half of it will be the sanctuary. Just uh, making bigger. A lot of it's happening. It's going on. If you get a chance, you need to stick your head in over there and pop it in and see what's going on. It's, uh, it will surprise you uh, how much we've gotten done. But thank you for your continued giving. Couldn't do it without you. Well, I've seen some memes, like the little pictures and stuff during this co coronavirus that I thought maybe I'd share with you. I thought I got a little chuckle out of a couple of them. And uh, just some some thoughts a few people have had. This is the first day back at school after the lockdown. Um, this is what you, uh, our young people are going to look like once they go back to school. Yeah. Did a load of pajamas so I would have clean work clothes this week. Yeah, come on. Let me know what we're talking about here. 87% of the gym members don't even know their gym is closed. Oh. Can we all agree for the next apocalypse that hairstylists be an essential service, please? I mean, just someone help us out here. It's not really working. Sneak peek at the next month's hottest hair trend. 
you can see what we're talking about here because some of the ladies didn't have a chance to get their hair colored, so the real gray is kind of showing there. All right, hey, hey. For the second part of this quarantine, do we really have to stay with the same family? Or are they just going to relocate us? I just want to ask for a friend. Oh, lastly, there isn't any food. There's just a bunch of ingredients to make food in the refrigerator. I don't even know that's the truth. Oh, wow. Just, hasn't this been a crazy time, right? Just crazy, just nuts. But uh, we're figuring it out, working our way through it. Everybody seems to be okay. If, you, if, you're, if you're not okay, wave your hand. You know, anybody? All right, so we're all good? Awesome, awesome. I want to just jump into our uh, message this morning. And um, actually, before I do that, I want to do something else. I, I just kind of sensed this morning, um, before, we, before we talk, I just sensed that there was a, um, like a, almost a heaviness, you know, kind of going on and almost like a weariness and a, almost like people are tired. Um, and I, I, I think that's very real. Uh, Paul talks to us in Ephesians, the last chapter of Ephesians, how, you know, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but many times against things we don't even see. And uh, sometimes there can become this, um, this weariness that comes upon us. We don't even know we're battling against it. And, um, and then it tells us, you know, that that's very real, that we, we have a spiritual armor we need to put on. We need to do it every day. And we need to, um, once we do all that, then we need to pray. And then the Bible says, after you've done all, to stand, to stand. You know, <laughs> what, what, what else do I do? Oh, we'll just keep standing. And uh, God is going to refresh you. I believe that there's times of refreshing. Pastor Kim mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Times of refreshing come from the Lord. And uh, I believe God's people need some times of refreshing. So I just want to have a word of prayer for you before we go any further. So if you wouldn't mind just sitting there just with a posture, like put your palms out like you're receiving something, if you would do that for me. And I just want to pray a prayer for you. Father God, I just, I just pray for your people, your, your sons and your daughters today. And I'm just asking you, Lord, to impart to them some, some supernatural strength during this time. Uh, I pray, Lord God, a download, Lord God, of, of hope and joy, uh, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I just ask, Lord God, that what, whatever is kind of weighing upon them will be lifted uh, by the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, listen, I want to jump into our uh, topic today. What do you do, question I'm asking you, what do you do when you need to believe in something or for something, but you're just not seeing it happen? There's not really any evidence of it happening at all. Have you ever been in a situation where you can't see anything good coming out of this particular whatever situation you're in? Anybody been there? Raise your hand. Now, first, now, first service, I, I asked him that question. I said, we got any honkers in the house? And one particular person literally took a bike horn. They had it in their purse, and they honked their horn. I'm not going to give any names, but the last name is spelled H-I-C-K-S. And uh, many people would probably, probably know that person. Uh, but we all got a big chuckle. But um, I need you to say amen every once in a while. Come on, somebody. All right, thank you. But uh, something maybe took place in your life, you didn't see it coming. 
uh, and it's just maybe uh, three for a loop, and you're like, nothing good is going to come out of this situation. Maybe you've been in a long season where you've been in financial distress, and you're behind in your bills. And the very thought or the dream that you once had of maybe even owning your own house seems like a faraway thought. Maybe you've struggled with health issues now for quite a while, maybe so long that you don't even remember what it felt like to be healthy again. Maybe you've been, in, um, been out of a relationship or been alone so long that uh, you're almost more comfortable being at home all by yourself and would almost rather that than try to take a little step of faith and, and begin to put yourself out there again. Maybe you've received a degree from college, put in the hard work, but you're not seeing it pay off, and now you're drawing unemployment, and your joy level's getting a little depleted, and you just, you just didn't see this yourself in this situation, and you can't see maybe anything good coming out of it. Well, I just want to take us to a text this morning, I believe kind of pictures that exact scenario in the Bible. His name is Thomas, and Thomas gets a bad rap being a man of doubt. No doubt we'll read about, and he was. But Thomas also went on to be a great man of God, a great man of faith. Thomas was a disciple, one of the 12 of Jesus that was called by Jesus. And, and Thomas would eventually one day and go to south part of what we now call India. And I was there. I've been there. In the southern tip of India, literally, uh, even though India is a Hindu nation and Muslims towards the north, the bottom part of India is nothing but predominantly Christian-based people, many, many thousands of Christians, and they first heard the gospel through a man by the name of Thomas years and years ago. This one person we're going to read about eventually became a marked great man. Let's read that story. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Let me say it again. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So obviously Jesus came back from the dead, showed himself to the disciples. But the disciples uh, that he showed himself to uh, had one missing, and his name was Thomas. Now we don't know where Thomas was, and we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. But we do know that Thomas just wasn't there. And, and I would just wanted to say this, and I, I want to just pastor you just for a minute, and, I just, and, and, and I'm your friend. How many know I'm your friend? I'm your friend. All right. But I do, want to, I, I do believe this season we've been in has been probably um, the, um, the, the introvert's best season of their entire life. You know what I'm saying? They're like, wow, I'm in heaven right now. <laughs> yeah, got some hands like, Amen. <laughs> I mean, for the extroverts, I mean, you. This has been like, you know, there's nothing worse in the world than the, this period of time. You know, like, you know, you, there's no new people to talk to, and, and 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 you can't you can't hug on everybody, and you just feel like you're a fish out of water. I'm raising my hand. You know, I I'm that person, and uh, and, and so so we find Thomas in a situation where he, whatever reason, had isolated himself. And my word of caution and. You know, and, and, and again, for those in line, we we glad you're watching, and this is no condemnation because we all have our reasons for not being 
with the body of Christ. We all have, uh, you know, that timetable when we know that we need to be back in the fellowship. But, but I just want to just put that little warning out there that sometimes you can be a little more comfortable than you probably need to be uh, in your place of isolation. And if you give, a, uh, you know, an introvert a good reason to stay home, they'll stay home. Come on, somebody. You know, you got to stretch that introvert out a little bit. And, and uh, I, I'm just going to be honest, and, and um, there was a couple, and I'm just going to share, share this, but they, they were very transparent with me last Sunday. They actually encouraged me, and they said, Pastor JP, last week we came. We t- they attended the service. After the service, they said, we have to tell you, it was pretty hard for us to get here. We, it would, took us a lot of work to come today. And I said, well, okay, well, why is that? And they said, well, to be honest, I appreciate their transparency. We really got used to watching uh, church online. And uh, we get sleep in late, and we make a good breakfast and sit at our table in our pajamas and, you know, watch the church service and just have fun. And that was a lot of fun. And so it took a lot of work for us to get here to the, the service uh, this past week. And then they said to me, and this is what was golden, they said, but we're so glad we did. Because we realize that there's, all, there's something you cannot catch at home that you can only catch in the midst of God's people. You know, David said, come, let's magnify, come magnify the Lord with me. You, you can't magnify God by yourself, but you can with other people. God becomes bigger when you get together with other people. Just a word of encouragement for all of us. You know, let us not forsake the assembling together of the saints. And I was so glad when, uh, you know, our president stepped up to the plate and said, hey, churches need to reopen. You need to, you need to be getting out there because people need this. Even our president recognized that. Come on, somebody. He recognized that. And so the other disciples told Thomas, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, well, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, nah, nope, I'm not going to believe. I'm done with that. I'm out. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and somehow they had convinced Thomas to be with them to hang out. Maybe they were having a shrimp boil, and he loved shrimp, and he got to, all right, I'll show up. And Jesus must have saw that Thomas was there, and though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. In other words, he didn't didn't knock on the door. He didn't come through the door. He came through the wall. How many know you can't keep Jesus out? You know what I'm saying? You may have a good security system, but Jesus can pick that lock anytime. Jesus shows up. They're all, like, scared. He says, peace be with you, which he always says when people are half scared to death. And he said to Thomas, first person he pointed to, he went to and said, hey, Thomas, goes right to him. Put your finger right here, son. Huh? There you go. What do you think? Come on. It probably grabbed Thomas's finger. You know, like you know, you know, like when you do it sometimes with your kids. You want them to pet a dog, and they're scared. You put his finger right there. Come on, feel. Put it all around up in there. Come on, do this. How about that? Hey, let me try. Hey, woo! Pulls his little robe up. Put your hand all up in here. What'd you think, Thomas? Huh? And Thomas is like, "Can I? I got some good news for you this morning. Jesus has scars." You got scars. We all got scars. If you rolled up your sleeve right now or your pant leg or something else, you probably got a a scar that has a story attached to it. Come on. And some of you probably would be embarrassed to tell me that scar story. I was going a little bit too fast in that four-wheeler. Next thing you know, I'm hanging from a barbed wire fence. You know, come on. 
I said the wrong thing to my wife. She broke my arm. Come on. It's like crooked now. I'm just kidding. But we all have scar stories. We all have stories. And, and Jesus has scar stories. But the thing about Jesus' scar stories is his scars told a story that's greater than anybody else's stories. Because his scar story literally changed the trajectory of the world. His scars literally transformed you and me. His scars removed our sins from our life. His scars removed our uh, iniquities. His scars removed our, uh, our, our eternal destiny from going to hell. His scars caused mankind to change on a dime. And I'm thankful that there's a scarred, nailed hand and a, and a side of someone's uh, side called Jesus uh, who went to the cross uh, and because of his scars now my life is forever changed how many can say thank you Jesus for the scars that he showed Thomas <laughs> scars always have a story and Jesus' scars tell of his faithfulness and he shows Thomas his scars and then he says to him he just he shows him his scars and then almost like an come on like scorning almost like a like a reprimand Thomas, he says, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. The Bible says that Thomas just worships Jesus, just probably gathers himself up into his arms, probably buries his head into Jesus' shoulders, repents, cries out. He was probably saying things like, Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to believe. I really did, but I was like, I didn't want to be disappointed again. I didn't want to get my hopes up. And I, I mean, I'm like, followed you. I gave everything to follow you. And then you're dead. And then you, you're not around. And I'm like confused. And, but I wanted to believe. But, but, but I'm sorry for not believing. And then Jesus' response to him was classic. He didn't even like pay attention to what he said. He goes, because you've seen me, you believe, Thomas. But all oh, blessed are those. What's blessed me? Happy, fortunate are those people that believe who have not seen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're blessed. Because you believe and you haven't seen. Come on. Unfortunately, it takes a crisis, doesn't it, for many of us to believe or to change the way we're going. It takes a crisis for us to, you know, we have a heart attack and then we then we decide we're going to eat better or we're going to exercise. It takes some crisis in our life before we finally decide we're going to change. It takes uh, our spouse threatening to leave us before we finally decide, you know, maybe, you know, I am a little selfish. You know, Maybe I am a little self-centered and maybe I need to change this area of my life. How come, how come there has to be a crisis before we ever evaluate our life? It doesn't have to be that way. Now we see that there's a crisis going on in Thomas's life. And, 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 and let me just say this, every crisis is an opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God. A pandemic is an opportunity for you to go deeper in your relationship with God, for you to grow wiser, for you to have a better outcome, for you to reach deeper into the things of the Lord. Man, don't waste, don't waste a good crisis. That's a good amen right there. Amen. Do I have to like get a sign and just flash and say, amen? <laughs> 
Don't waste a good crisis. As a friend of mine said, don't waste a good desert. <laughs> I'm like, I never thought about it like that. But if you're going to be in something, at least get something out of it. So we're in this series called It's Not Over. And, and, and one of the things I just I want to emphasize today, this morning, real quickly, is that God is, God is, God has been, and God will be, and God is faithful to us. He, he's faithful. He's really a faithful God. Mm. He's faithful. We even have a park in Yellowstone that people visit to go see a spout of water that we've named Old Faithful. Simply because, simply because we, we know that it's going to spout water every hour. And so we name it Old Faithful, and people will stand around waiting for water to come out of the ground into the sky, and then they'll go home, and they'll go, we saw Old Faithful. <laughs> wow. that's all. And they show you a picture, you know, the picture of Old Faithful, just what I just showed you, they show you that, and you're like, wow, that's, that's water coming out of the ground. Yeah. It's Old Faithful. We name, we name water coming out of the ground faithful. We, but what people love to see something that's faithful. Can I tell you something? God's more faithful than a, piece, a little bit of water coming out of the ground. We have a very faithful, faithful God. In fact, my wife and I were talking yesterday. We were having a little lunch out on our back porch, and it was a beautiful afternoon. Wind was kind of just gently blowing across the back porch. And... Um, and I just started sharing with her that very thought, how faithful. I, she obviously knows that. And, but I just reminded her, you know, Melissa, God's really been faithful to us, hasn't he? She, she said, yeah, he has. And, and, and for whatever reason, I just like went way back to down memory lane to instances where God had been faithful to me. And I just kind of worked my way up, you know, as I'm eating my salad, just kind of recalling these moments of God's faithfulness in my life. And by, by the time I got done, she's sitting there, and I'm bawling my eyes out into my salad. I'm like, oh, he's been so faithful, sweetheart. He's been faithful. I'm not kidding, man. I'm like falling apart. She's like, my husband's a basket case. What's going on? The salad is getting to him. But, but, it was, but the faithfulness of God is just so overwhelming sometimes. You know, when you start thinking, maybe, I, I need to preach this sometime, but just the thought, the, the things that you go, there is no way out of this situation. And somehow you get out of it and you're on the other side and you look back and you go, how did that happen again? How did, we, how did I get here? How did this come about? It was God moving faithfully as he always does into our lives. Let me just say this. What you see typically reinforces what you know. Jesus said, you know the Father because you've seen me. And so when Jesus told Thomas, you, 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 you're only knowing, you only believe because you've seen me, what he was he, trying to communicate to him is, listen, son, there's another realm you can come to where you can actually believe without having to see. And that's where God wanted Thomas to get to, where God wants all of us, obviously, to get to that. that there, you know, I come from Missouri. It's called the show me state. And, you know, the saying is, oh, I won't believe until you show me, you know. And it's like a badge of honor for every Missourian, you know. 
which I think is ridiculous. You know, it just means you're just a stupid, stubborn person. But, 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 you know, Missourians like to think that they they, they got something like, you know, what you just you just don't have faith. That's all you know. You know, but the Bible says in First Second Corinthians five seventeen five seven says, "For we walk by faith and not by." We 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 have to walk sometimes through things before we realize even what we just went through was all about. Because here's the thing about I've learned about God. Listen to me. God doesn't always explain what's going on when it's going on. Hello. How remember how many raising kids and you remember the little kid, Daddy, why are you putting that screw on that, you know, why are you putting that screw into that piece of wood? Because it needs to go in that piece of wood. Oh, why? Be- because the instructions say, why? You know I mean? Come on, somebody. No. I mean, after a while, you're just like, just because. You know, just because. How many parents would raise your hand and go, I've said that a couple times in my life. It's just, just because. Oh, I don't know how many hundreds of times I've said that. It's just because. I can't explain it anymore. Quit asking me why. And I think sometimes maybe God would say the same thing. Quit asking me why. Just because. Eventually I'm going to share. Maybe you'll know. You'll understand. But sometimes you just have to go through it. And sometimes we're so busy, listen to this, dealing with what we do see that we don't really even have time to deal with what we don't see. I was driving down the road on the interstate uh, several years ago, and uh, how many know when you're on the interstate going 70 miles an hour and you see a black blob in the lane right in front of you, it's probably not a good thing to run over because it's probably as part of a tire. And uh, I learned that the hard way. Uh, and, and so I, I'm, I'm dodging this little piece of rubber, and then there's another piece of rubber, and then there's another piece of rubber, and I find myself just dodging these pieces of rubber, trying not to get into the other lane, looking and making sure no one's over there. And so I've just got all my focus on these pieces of rubber that's in front of me, that in all of my, 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 my attention is here, my focus is here, my mind is here, my thoughts are here. And then finally I look up and in front of me is a semi-truck whose back tire is going like this. Parts of it's not looking like it's supposed to look as far as the tire is concerned. And I went, that's not good. And I got into the other lane just in time as the tire came off going past me. I mean, you know, sometimes we can be so focused on the problem in front of us that we don't have time to deal what's in, ahead of us. We're, we're so focused and locked in what we're going through that we don't really see what's coming down the pipe, what's going on, what's the bigger picture. There's more going on than what's going on at the moment. And that's what I want to call your attention to this morning. In all of this stuff that's happening in the world, There's more going on than just the stuff going on in the world. Let me say it like this. Problems are visible. But many times purpose is not. Problems are visible. Do you know people, they they love to talk about problems. And they love to point out problems. And they love to share those problems with you. 
You go to your office, and there's those people in the office, and they go, oh, we got a problem. We need to sit down and talk about this problem. And then you get out of that meeting, and you have another meeting. We need to talk about this problem. And then you have another meeting after lunch, and you talk about that problem. And by the time you get done leaving work, you're just so worn out from all the problems that you've been talking about. And then you go home, and your spouse says, oh, we got a problem. And, and, and you're like, what's going on? And they begin, she begins to tell you, he begins to tell you the problems. And, and, and you just want to go drive your car. And you get in your car and your car light's going, well, you got a problem. You got a problem. And you go, oh, forget it. I'm just going back home. I'm going to turn the TV on. You walk, turn the TV on. There's a guy sitting behind a desk. And he begins to tell you about all the problems in the world. Come on, somebody. Everybody loves to talk about problems. When is someone going to talk about the purpose? Well, I want to hear someone talk, hey, 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 guess what? We got an opportunity right here. We got, we got a purpose in all this. You know, there's a purpose in all this? Hey, let's, let's talk. I like to get around purpose people, not problem people. Can I get a good amen? We're looking at what's happening. God's looking at why it's happening. And sometimes you just got to leave what you used to know to get what get to get where you were made to know or what you need or made to know. Sometimes you got to leave what you used to be to go after what you want to be. Sometimes you got to leave the problem world to get to the purpose world. And, and it's not easy because sometimes you, all you see and feel is the problem. This is what Thomas's deal was. He was confused. He, 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 he followed Jesus. He believed he was the Messiah. He believed he was the Son of God. He followed him, gave his life for him. Now Jesus is gone. And, and, and now what is he going to do? And it's been three days. It's been uh, two uh, weeks now. It's been a week and a half now. Where, what, what's the deal? And he doesn't know. He's, his doubt has now overwhelmed his dream. The problem has now overwhelmed his sense of purpose and sense of destiny. And I want to caution the body of Christ this morning with everything I have. Let me remind you that God has a purpose in and for the body of Christ for the church. He died for the church. And the church still has a purpose. And the church still has a place in the world. I've heard people say, and I'm around people going, well, church will never be what it used to be. And it's, they're saying it like, like the, they're putting a, the, the, you know, like a, a sign on the church saying you're about to die. And they're almost like de declaring death to the church. And, and I'm here to say that that is not true. A church will not be the way it used to be because it's going to be greater than it was ever before in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that. I believe that. I get to listen to some of these podcasts of these guys, and man, I get, by the time they're supposed to be encouraging me, I feel like crying. I don't think they see the big picture because many times God's purpose is bigger than what we see. I want to look at um, a passage of scripture um, in, um, in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, we see. The Israelites have left Egypt now, and they're, being, they're, they're, they're on the edge of the Red Sea, uh, which you think, okay, that's good, you know, because but, but, they're out of Egypt. But the problem is they can't get to the other side, and there's mountains on both sides. And now there's an enemy. The Egyptian army is coming from behind. They are now boxed in. And this is where we pick it up, Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. 
they were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. Now, I'm saying it very calmly, but they, they weren't saying it calmly to Moses. They were screaming at him. <laughs> what is the problem? You left, you brought us out here to die? I mean, because they're right behind him. You know, you don't talk very nicely sometimes when you're terrified. Come on, somebody say amen. One time we had a, well, never mind. So anyway, they're, they're, they're terrified. They're talking to him in a very mean voice. And, and, and they say, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and die here in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Can I just say that right now? Don't be afraid, church. Don't be terrified, church, of what's going on. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you when? Today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The problem, Pharaoh's chasing them. That's a big problem. It's the most powerful army in the face of the earth at that time. They got Pharaoh, the best charioteers, the best soldiers of the era coming, breathing down their neck. They're unarmed. They're just little slave people. They have nothing, and that's a big problem. Pharaoh is chasing them, but guess what? There's a purpose in the problem, and the purpose of the problem is to get them to uh, the other side, into their destiny, into their promised land, into the things that God had planned for them. Sometimes there is a purpose in the chase. Sometimes there is a purpose in the thing that you may be terrified at in the moment. Sometimes you just got to leave what you used to know to get what you were made to know. So for every problem in our life, can I just say, there's a purpose. And even in the situation we're in, there is a purpose. Now the purpose that they didn't know was this. They had left... Egypt as slaves. They've been slaves for 400 plus years. They didn't know anything but a slave mentality. Their father and mother were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. Their great-great-grandparents were slaves. No one ever talked like freedom talks. No one ever discussed liberty. No one ever discussed um, um, choices that you can make on your own. No one ever discussed uh, your own day off. No one ever discussed what you want to do with your own earnings that you made. And no one ever discussed uh, what kind of vacation you want to take. No one ever discussed between one another the joys of life because life was not joyful. It was just day after day after day, monotonous day after monotonous day, same thing over and over and over. Not many people smiled. Not many people sang. Not many people rejoiced because there was nothing in life to rejoice. All they knew was that they were slaves. All they knew that they couldn't do anything without someone else telling them what to do. They couldn't even think for themselves. They couldn't even breathe for themselves. They couldn't even go to, you know, do anything for themselves. They, they, everything was being told to them what to do. And, and so this is a slave mentality. And they had received it from their parents and their grandparents and their grand-grandparents. No one had ever dreamed that there could be something else 
bigger. They always believed that they were slaves and they were always going to be slaves. And so now God has this people that is all they known is slavery all this time and he wants to bring them into their future, into their destiny, but he cannot do what he wants to do with them unless he first delivers them of what they've known for all these years. It was more than just getting them out of a geographical location. It was also about getting them out of a mental bondage that they had found themselves in. They were slaves, and so God had to rescue them from a slave mentality because even if they did get to the other side, say there was a bridge, and they could just cross the bridge in the Red Sea onto the other side, and say they were two or three years now into their journey into the promised land, still in the back of their mind would be, you know, today could be the day when Pharaoh comes and gets me. Today could be the day when that old slave uh, mentality comes back and, and, and causes me having. I, I, I was a slave. And, and I know, I know I'm always going to be a slave. God had to break from these people the slave mentality that they had been delivered from. That was his purpose. And so he allows Pharaoh to chase them to the very Red Sea. And at that Red Sea, like we sang the song, you know, God delivered them through the Red Sea. They get to the other side, God swallows up Pharaoh's army and literally annihilates the very thing that had held them captive for 400 plus years. In one hour. It was, they were set free, delivered. Totally never to have that happen again. They, that's why Miriam grabbed the tambourine and just started dancing on the other side. And all the ladies started dancing with her. Because they had never, they probably hadn't danced for 400 plus years. You don't dance when you're in bondage. You don't dance when you're a slave. But once you see that you've been set free, never to be bound again, you'll have a dance in your step. Come on, somebody. You'll have a little skip when you walk down the road. You'll have a smile on your face, and you'll realize, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It was like the Red Sea was like a type of, of water baptism, that when you go into the watery grave, you went down as a slave to your own sins and your own fallen nature. But when you come out of that water, come on, when you come out of that water, grave you've been set free and that thing that's been chasing you all this time will never chase you again because you have now become as if the son of Jesus himself the very nature of Jesus has now consumed you you have a new heart circumcised heart on the other side of this pandemic you have to ask what is God wanting to bury in my life what is it in my life that's chasing me what is, it I'm, what is it I'm running from that I never think I'm ever going to get away out of and from? Because they went into that Red Sea, a slave, but they came out sons. They came out sons of God. He called them his family, called them his, his children. They came out sons. They went in as slaves and they came out sons. You, you can go through a terrifying situation bound in some areas, but you can come out set free as a son. And that's my challenge for all of us this morning. What is it that God wants to set you free from that you've been bound to all this time? Because Satan can chase you to the water, but he can't chase you through the water. Come on, somebody. Woo, that's a good amen right there. Amen, JP. 
Come on, worship team, let's get ready to close. In this hour that we're in, there is no doubt fear across the world, around the world. But I want us to be reminded this morning of Jesus' words, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He'll quicken your mortal body. Mm. And that we can live in this realm where, where, where God takes us through and we know he is and he know, we know he will. And we're confident of that. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so the thing that you've been fearful of getting you, I'm not talking just about a virus or anything like that. I'm talking about your past sins, your past mistakes, past relationship, past failures. Anything in your life that you've, you're fearful of getting you, I want you to know that there is a Red Sea that God wants to bury that thing in. That thing has caused you terror. God wants to wash it away. The thing that's kept you up at night is about to be exposed. That thing that's made you doubt is about to be destroyed. And we are on the cusp of our purpose. We are on the cusp, on the edge of our promised land. We are on the, on the very verge of entering into the very destiny that God has set aside for us as a body of believers. Come on. Hmm. <laughs> Someone's like, JP, y'all are building a building. Everyone's saying, don't go to one. I'm like, yeah, well, that's what God does. He does those kind of things, doesn't he? <laughs> he does those kind of things. Yeah. I saw a friend of mine. He, uh, he was a travel agent. He's a very successful travel agent. And I said, uh, tell me, when did, you get your, when did you start your travel agent business? He said, one week before 9-11. I said, dude, bad timing, huh? We all laughed, we chuckled, but he sure learned a whole lot through that and became very successful in the process. There's pivots that you have to make as people in all sorts of situations. I'm so enjoying watching people and businesses and, uh, and, 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 and business owners and families and people adjusting to things, and, you know, things that they never thought they would ever dream doing. Uh, and, and adjusting and overcoming. And the church has always overcome. The body of Christ has always overcome. And we've always set the temperature for the room. And we are going to be those people as well. While people are running, fearful, terrified, we shall stand strong and declare our God is faithful and that he will not allow harm to come your way. Can we all stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to close just rejoice in the Lord. This morning I just want to end by saying we have a prayer tent outside and we set it there strategically so that you'd have to almost go around it to get to your car. Why? Because we believe in prayer and we believe prayer changes things. If you need something to be prayed about our invitation to you as we exit out this door together, row by row, is that is that you go by and stop by the prayer tent and say, man, I need prayer for this, 
Maybe I want to receive Jesus. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord. Or maybe you, family member, maybe something else, some need. Man, we just want to pray with you about that. Can we all just close our eyes and let me just close this with a prayer this morning. Father, we know that we are living in a time unlike any other time we've ever experienced. Some here in this room have been weary just trying to figure it all out. Making a pivot here and a pivot there and change here and change there. Altering this and changing that. Sometimes not even knowing what to do. And Lord, at the same time, there's like this cloud hanging over our heads of something that could harm us and hurt us. But today, Lord God, we just uh, we go to your word and we remind ourselves in your word that uh, you live inside of us and you're powerful and you're good and you're awesome and that, Lord, you overcome everything all things. Lord, I just come against fear, doubt, unbelief, as Thomas experienced. I pray, Lord God, that we will rise up as your body and be strong in this hour. Represent you well. I just lose faith in this atmosphere. Allow us, Lord, the opportunity to rest in the shadow of your wing. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Most of all, we thank you for your faithfulness. For you've been a good God. You've been a great God. In Jesus' mighty and awesome name. Amen and amen. Can we give God a praise this morning for his faithfulness, his goodness, and his greatness? Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. You're good. We're good.